Balotelli, Aguero! I swear you'll never see anything like this ever again! Gavin keeps it, skill on goal, look at that pass! Haydak! Goal, Columbus! There are things on here for the USA, can they do it here? Cross, and Dempsey's denied again! And Donovan has scored! Oh, can you believe this? Go, go, USA! This is the beautiful game. Oh, it's incredible! Described by two uglies. Stupendous! Welcome to Bone and Beam United. This is a thing of genius. Welcome in. Happy Soccer Podcast Day to you. I am Bone. And I am Beam. And uh, we've got a lot to get to today on the show. This is an England and European soccer show on this episode. So if you're looking for a ton of MLS week one talk, well, not on this episode. No. We are going to be talking a lot of Premier League, though, some Champions League thrown in, some FA Cup, some transfer news that might involve some former and or future MLS players, if that's your fancy. And uh, we'll look ahead to the week that is going to be in the Premier League because a very tasty menu of games coming mm, up. Delicious. You know what's not delicious for Liverpool fans right now is the, the whole taste, thing. The taste in their mouths as there is a they're they're spitting up blood right now. Been getting kicked in the teeth every friggin' time they go out. What's the deal with Liverpool? That's where we start today. I mean, they lose to Watford, which we could spend probably a half hour on that game. Sure. Just how surprising and shocking that was. They've also, as you know, lost to Atletico Madrid in Champions League, and they will reprise that series here in a couple of, well, in a week or so. They'll bring that back. Yeah, next Tuesday, I believe. There you go. And uh, they just finished losing to Chelsea in the FA Cup, so they're out of that. I mean, they could, theoretically, they could be out of the FA Cup. They could be out of Champions League all within the span of a week and have lost their perfect season, I guess, in the span of like 10 days. That's a... No one should cry for Liverpool. They've had a pretty dominant stretch here, but for what Liverpool fans thought would be, now there's a lot in question, isn't there, Beamer? Yeah, absolutely, Bone. And we'll start, you know, kind of there because two or three weeks ago, whenever we did kind of the the sit down and talk about Liverpool kind of podcasts and where they were at, like you've gone through the stretch of your team looking like one of the best teams ever assembled. In world soccer, like ever, you're right. talking about, you know, p- perhaps one of the greatest teams of all time, and now over this two week stretch for Liverpool, they have gone exactly what you said. You're, you're down one nil to Atletico now with the return leg coming up next week. You just blow a gasket in the in the Premier League and lose to Watford three nil, which I. They're, they're not the worst team in the Premier League, but they're one of the worst teams in the Premier League. So you weren't expecting that to happen. And then to pile on, you lose in the FA Cup to Chelsea in what wasn't even a very closely contested contest. Like yeah. Chelsea could have scored two or three goals, two or three more goals. Liverpool obviously could have stopped some. Ariza Balaga was great for Chelsea. But, you know, it, it's so wild bone to kind of go through a soccer season because if you would have if you would have asked any Liverpool fan at the start of this season, and you would have looked them dead in the eye and asked, like, hey, would you be cool with winning just the Premier League this year? They would have said, yeah, absolutely. Like, for sure. We haven't won that in 30 years. Of course. I would be thrilled for us to go and win a Premier League title. That'd be great. Kings of England, yet again, we're back on top. You know, we're feeling good. Okay. And then you kind of get the start to the season where it becomes more and more apparent that that's going to happen. And then human nature kicks in. It's like, well... 
let's be a little bit selfish. And what we else wanna... could happen? Well, how how big could this be? Could we win Champions League, go undefeated in the Premier League, and win the FA Cup? Do the treble with an undefeated season? Right, exactly. So you start thinking about those realistic possibilities. Which who am I to say? Like I would be doing the same thing if my team were in that situation. We were doing the same. We were literally looking at them, saying, "Can they clinch?" Ag-? And top it all off, you could clinch against Everton. In the Merseyside Derby. Of course. You could clinch the series, the whole, the whole, ooh, almost said not kitten caboodle. The whole I don't know. I was going to say shebang. Shebang and kitten caboodle. And I almost combined those words into a word you. The whole kitten shaboodle. You can say that on a podcast. I think that's what you were going you for. You can't say it. Uh, what, I, you can't say it on our regular thing, but you can say it on the podcast. So maybe I will. There you go. That's All right. right. So it's really wild to to go through the minds of Liverpool supporter right now because, like I said, like yeah, you would be so interested in winning winning a Premier League title, and you know, obviously that is still ninety nine percent in the cards for Liverpool. It's not like one loss is going to cripple their Premier League season, but when you go back and you look at their performance against against Athletic, and then right now you look at their performance in the game yesterday against Chelsea, it's uninspired. And, yeah. you know, Bone, this may just be fatigue getting to them, right? Because they've been chasing something for so long. And when you have that drop off, that one time where you find yourself in some controversy or your back's up against the wall, then maybe maybe that is, you know, who they are. And this is going to be a two-week down period for Liverpool. They're fine. They'll be popping out at the end. Like, they get the players to get through this. But it's really crazy to think, like, yeah, we were going for the treble. Now we're still on the table for the double. It doesn't look good because the way that you've been playing, the form that you have been in, and with the return like at home against Atletico, who is one of the most stifling defenses in all of European soccer – it's just it's really wild to kind of comprehend the the sphere of emotions that Liverpool fans have have felt over the last two weeks of of them living a day to day life with this club. It's been yeah. really wild. And and I know there are plenty of Liverpool fans. I'm quite sure who are saying, well, "Hey, like to your point, we would take it if we could get sure. champ the the Premier League title, and that's it. We won Champions League last year in the finals. The year before that, this this is something we haven't done in 30 years, but like that Watford loss. You're telling me as a Liverpool fan, you're okay with the fact you're okay is the wrong word. I'm not saying anybody gets fired over anything else. That's clearly ridiculous. But how you lost that game, it wasn't that you you played Watford on just their best day, although they looked like it at times. Like Liverpool looked like they were not interested in being in that game. Sure. And I can't they just understand. Rolled, they, they rolled the ball out yeah, is what I they did. It's like, I we're Liverpool, you're Watford, we're going to win this game. I can't understand how after the first goal goes in, you don't say, all right, they don't know Wake it's a up. damn show. Like the Rocky line, they don't know it's a damn show. They think it's a damn fight. Like, get out there. And and then you wake up and you start exerting. We've seen that from Liverpool the last, I don't know, month or so where, which who did they have the scare against? Was it West Ham? It yes, was, uh, it was. Yeah, it was West, it was West Ham. Ham where they, they went down and you thought, is this where it's going to end right here? The perfect season, yeah. the never losing a game, and then they're going to lose to West Ham. They came back, got two goals, and pretty much then you said, "Oh, okay, they're they're, they're still fine. Liverpool." Yeah. To the problem now is they didn't score against Atletico Madrid. To your point, they didn't score obviously against Watford, and that looked terrible. Now they've not scored again against Chelsea, which that was not all the starters. Clearly, no. they're playing the kids. It's the FA Cup, but. They did bring the starters in. You had you know, they, Mane. They, you yeah, had, you had Mane out there. Then you brought everybody else in after right. like the 70th minute and you still had couldn't Virgil get a back goal. there still. Yeah, true. And, and he had a bad game. He did. He had a bad giveaway in that game. So 
here's what I here's my question. Now you are in a situation where if Atletico Madrid needs to, if they score a goal against you on the road, you're dead. You have to. They have to score three at home, and if if they do nothing, Atletico Madrid advances. So the only way for you to advance is either to get on them early with a goal and then take it to penalty or overtime penalties, whatever, or and shut them out for 120 minutes. Yeah, or you're going to have to score more than one goal. So. Which doesn't look like it's going to happen. Scoring right a goal now right them. now is is you're not able to score on Chelsea. You're playing Atletico Madrid, who is playing much better than Chelsea. You're has not been. able to score on Watford. What? <laughs> right, Let alone Chelsea and going to Stamford Bridge. You're not scoring on Watford. It's very interesting to me to see Liverpool fans with no panic because I've talked to quite a few of them, and it's still like, yeah, it sucked. Yeah, I'm ticked. Oh well, that all we have to do though is do what we do at home. At Anfield, we'll be good. We'll advance past Atletico Madrid. Sure. Hey, we're going to win the league. What do you care? Like, It's weird for me to see Liverpool fans with this, ah, such is life. You know, things come, things go. Do you know your history <laughs> over the last 20 years? Right. That's what I'm saying. I'm just not used to this new version of Liverpool fans. But I'm glad you exist, and I'm glad you're now living your life that way. And I know there are plenty of Liverpool fans who are not feeling that way, who are very nervous. I'm just surrounded by ones that are like, ah, oh, whatever. We're still the best team. Everybody knows it. Well, yeah, we do. Yes, and they are. We were all, I mean, I'm, I don't even know if I was hoping for it, but from the historic standpoint, I wanted to watch it. I wanted to see some history be made, see what was possible. And now the way it looks like it's going, we could be talking in a week about, never mind, we were all worried about Liverpool and they just smoked Diego Simeone's team. And here we go. They're back in. They're round of eight. Let's go. But <laughs> I don't know. I don't see it happening right now. No, I don't either. And that's the the really wild, wild thing. Right, is that yeah. for so long they looked like one of the most dominant teams that you have ever laid your eyes on. And you've gone through this now little two week stretch where you're just thinking, Oh boy, like what yeah. like thankfully, like you know, they have gotten this far in the Premier League without losing a game, which is going to carry them to the finish line. Like yeah, okay, yeah, yeah. they've they the enough. I They're understand that. But like you have to think like in retros in retrospect, Bone, like if you had even if Liverpool had like a nine point lead right now with 10 games left to go, it's like, how, how would you be feeling? Yeah, right. It's it's like if you handed uh, uh, Michael Jordan a thousand-point head start in an NBA season and said, all right, now set the record for points in a season. Sure. And then he ends up not doing that, but still winning the scoring title. You'd be like, well, of course you won the scoring title. You got out to such a big lead, but how how did you not finish this off? We wanted to see history. Obviously, no one spotted Liverpool anything. They earned everything they've gotten. They, they earned this this head start that they now have on the rest of the league and they will ride that in whatever happened. They can, they can probably lose every game from here on out and they're still going to be fine. Well, yeah, you have to, I mean, I'm just, I, that's the math on it, but they're not, they're not going to lose every game here on out. Also, that's not no, going to happen. Of course We're, it's no not. one's saying it would. And they could very well likely win every game from here on out. <laughs> right, who knows? They could they get are. back to what they were. Yeah. But you look at the team's bone who have successfully completed the treble across Europe. I think there's only like seven of them, right? Yeah, I, I'm pretty I, sure. I don't that know. I don't know the numbers. I'd, I'd love to. I'd love to know that. We'll look it up and. Tweet I've got it, out it right here. Okay, give it to me. 1967, Celtic did it. All right. Okay. They won the league. They won the European title in their domestic cup. Ajax did it in 72. PSV did it in 1988. Of course, 1999, Manchester United, Sir Alex Ferguson, and those guys. They did that. It's the only time in English soccer history that has been done. Barcelona did it in 09. Inter in 10. Bayern did it in 2013, and Barcelona in 2015. You know, there are eight teams. Ever that's amazing to, do it. to me because I would have thought it was much more common, given that about half of those you read happened since 2010. 
2009, 2010, right? Yeah, half of them happened since 2009. Yeah, Barca, Inter, Bayern, and Barca again. Right. So, like, I would have thought, I would have thought Real Madrid would have done it a couple of times. Well, especially with their three Champions Leagues that they bagged in the last five years. They certainly would have, but of course, they had Barcelona as a foil all those years. So, whatever. You're right. It shows just how tough it is, and we won't get to see it this year. And uh, Liverpool, can still see the double though. It's all your fault. No, it's double still on the table. Doubles that'd still be very interesting. But triple, you're right. The the treble would be amazing, and we're not going to get it. One of my favorite things of all time is: Have you ever seen like the Arsenal TV? Have you ever? Yeah, I've, have you I've, ever watched I've, some of that. I've come across it's yeah the guys out <laughs> yeah. interviewing fans after Correct. the game, right? And one of my favorite things that they've ever done is at the beginning, I think of like two or three seasons ago when they got Urzil and they put a bunch of money in to, to revamp their team was they were asking the guys like outside the stadium, like, what do you think's on the table for, for, the, for this year for Arsenal? Right. And the guy was like, I think we could pull off the quadruple. And the guy looks at him. He's like the quadruple. <laughs> what are you talking about? And he's like, yeah, Carabao cup, FA cup, champions league and premier league. And they just like laughed him off the thing. And they're like, Come on, what are you talking about, man? No, that is not even comprehensible yeah. to think about that. Well, that's what I, I do like joking about that at MLS of like, well, let's see, we could win. The crew could win the Trillium cup. Sure. The support, which is yeah. like the Trillium cup. Come on. That shouldn't even count. But then yeah. Supporter shield. You could win MLS Cup, U.S. Open Cup, U.S. Open Cup. You could actually win the quintuple because sure. if you count the tr- if you count the Trillium Cup, which you shouldn't, but if you did, you could also count a team then going on to win Concacaf Champions League. But no, that's not a it's not a real thing. They'll be all right. Uh, They'll Man- be okay. Yeah, Manchester United. Your guys suddenly looking frisky. The addition with of Bruno Fernandez, my guy. You were raving about him in the office, and I uh, sadly have not been able to. Check in on Manchester United the last few weeks since he's been added. So give me the rundown. What's what's the scoop here? So for the most of the season, if you have been watching Manchester United in either fandom or hatred, and sure, I understand that there's both sides of the fence there as I watch Manchester City every weekend, mm-hmm. and it's, it's really wild because I think the biggest knock against Ole Gunnar Solskjaer and what he has done with Manchester United, obviously he got the job. I think he's really reinstilling kind of the old old school culture at Manchester United, which was lost from bouncing from manager to manager over the last six or seven years. I think what you did lose was kind of that identity. But the biggest knock about Ole wasn't that he w- wasn't doing that bone. It was just the inventive style of play. And when you lose a Marcus Rashford and when you lose a Paul Pogba, stuff like that happens, it's going to be tough for you to find goals, right? Mm-hmm. And so Bruno Fernandez comes over. And listen, I, I, I really didn't know much about him before he came over. I was like, all right, I know that they had been interested in him for a long time. I was going to be anxious to see kind of what he was able to do when he put on the Red Devils jersey. And he comes in there. It may be, like, I know that Erling Holland is on a different level because he is just he's scoring goals at an incredible rate, and we've talked about that in our, our prior podcast. But you're talking about a guy – who is creating so many opportunities and is so inventive with ways to get the ball into dangerous chances for Manchester United that it's it's unbelievable. And that and he's scoring goals too, which I, you're not really expecting that. I mean, you're more expecting a guy who is going to create chances for other players and what he is doing at a high rate. You're not expecting this guy to come in and get two or three goals in his first four games for you as a midfielder. And he has been doing that. He was incredible again against Everton. He was unbelievable against Watford. Like, it's just, it's really amazing to see how a team can struggle for so long 
on trying to get goal-scoring opportunities and finding inventive ways to play. And then this guy comes in here, Bone, and and kind of lights a fire underneath of them and says, hey, you know, one player can make such a difference on a team – and it's he's fascinating to watch. Like he, yeah. whenever he is on the ball, off the ball, whatever it is, he is enthralling. It, it is, it's incredible the way the control that he has about him, and he's got that buzz. Like when he touches the ball at Old Trafford, you can kind of hear the crowd get ramped up because they know there's a possibility that he can do something special. And to have that back after you have been lacking someone like that for the last three, four years, right? to have someone like that who is an inventive midfield player who can get you these opportunities and get you these 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 great, you know, goal scoring threats and get them the ball, like it's just it's really been amazing to watch. He's kind of turned their season on its head. We know they were meddling for a long time. They just drew at Everton on the weekend. Before that, they had won two games in a row. So it's starting to kind of turn now. For Manchester United. So what do you think that does for the chances of, which I didn't think this was even a possibility, but is there a chance that a Paul Pogba looks at that situation and says, okay, maybe I don't need to leave this summer. Maybe I do stick around. I, I think that obviously I don't, I don't, I don't know Paul. I'm not, I'm not really? talking to Paul. I, I, you had me fooled. Yeah. I so all these times you're hanging out, I mean, you've, you've you know Mike Bennett plays in the NFL. I don't mm-hmm. know who you know. You know a lot of people. That's true. I could be texting Paul right now to see what's going on. But yeah, he could be. Here's my thoughts on that, is that we know that Mino Raiola, who is Paul Pogba's agent, has been basically trying to force a move out of Manchester United for about a year now. And I don't know if that's Mino's doing and he is acting as the bad guy or if that's Paul's doing and he's just letting Mino take the because take the brunt force. That's right. what your agent's that's paid to his do. job. Sure. That's his job. And we know that Sir Alec Ferguson and him had a, a huge spat and Jose Mourinho did too. It's like, yeah, he's perceived to be the bad guy. I don't know the entire situation. I don't know really what is going on with that entire situation between Paul Pogba and Mino Raiola and the Woodwards and the Glazer family and like all this different stuff that's going on with Manchester United. But what I do know is that If you're sitting there in the stands or wherever Paul Pogba's watching Manchester United from, maybe he's not. I don't know. I would think that he is because he's a part of the club still and would like them to do all right, is that when you see a player of Bruno Fernandez's caliber who can be kind of your pairing mate in the midfield, and now you can have two playmakers in the midfield, you're going to get Marcus Rashford back from injury at some point who has proved that – he is one of the the best young talents in all of Europe when he's when he's going. You go out and say, let's you get a striker this offseason because that's the big thing that they're missing is just right. a pure, pure striker. You know, they missed out on Erling Holland. My guess is that they're going to try and get someone big in that category. You get someone to move over on the right, you have Martial filling in this role. And so now you look at that and say, Well, look at the guys who I had when I was playing at my highest level at France, right? right? In the World Cup. Like I had he had all these different playmakers around him. He was able to supply these guys. He had a good midfield pairing there. And so then your mind starts to turn and say, "Okay, well, maybe if it's not the best situation, but I still like Manchester United. I still like the idea of that. Always kind of getting these things turned around. You know, all the the brass at Manchester United have said we are going to spend, we're going to spend and we're going to hit this time." It would give me a second thought about trying to just move away from them because the way that they're playing right now with Bruno Fernandez is pretty intriguing. And to yeah. me, as a player, if I'm one of the best in the world and I can go out and play with another guy who's one of the best in the world, wouldn't that be a great opportunity for you? Yeah, I, th- I think so. And I, I, I really do question, not that there isn't a place for Paul Pogba to go. There's plenty of them. But, I mean, 
would the idea be go to France? Would the idea be go to? I mean, France is. But that's the thing. Like, France is intriguing, but it seems like such a step down for his talent level. There's not, only not that a, it's bad, but you know what I mean. It's not. It's not playing in the Premier League. When you get to a certain level in European soccer, there's only a few spots for you to go. Are up. you going to Real Madrid or Barcelona? Correct. Are you going? I mean, to, that's, the, those bomb, are the two that initially jumped to your head. Maybe Bayern Munich. Of course, that's like the those, only, that's that's the, only German club you think you would go to. It's the only like five landing spots you can think of. And then in England, it'd be like, all right, well, are you going to go to Liverpool? No, because Manchester United's never going to sell him to Liverpool. Are you going right, to go to City? Yeah. No, they're no, not going to do they're that. They're not going to sell you to any of the big clubs in England. Exactly. Why would they? So you What's gotta, the motivation there? Take them all out of that mix. Yeah. All right? So so they're out of it. So really, the only the only options are going back to Juventus with the yeah, ball and right, Ronaldo. You okay, you could possibly do that. That's on the table. Bayern, I don't see him playing in the Bundesliga. Like, I just don't see that. I don't think that's something that Paul Pogba wants. And then you look at Barcelona and Real Madrid. Like, that's it. There's like three options for him yeah. to go. And I, I just I would imagine that that's going to be a big damn could, decision that he's going to have to make. It'll be very interesting to see what happens with Juventus, you know, in Champions League to the point that, you know, maybe there is a maybe that's where he's motivated to go next year. That that does make sense. But I still yeah, I don't I, I, I think there is a little bit more of a of a rescue of this situation for all parties involved for him to stay in Manchester than there was, say, three months ago. A hundred percent. Yeah. And I think that's, that's again, because your guy, Bruno Fernandez is making things happen. He is fun to watch, man. Let's, he is awesome. Let's switch gears, talk Tottenham for a second, because I saw this news about Harry Kane. Good news for Tottenham fans. He's eyeing a return from his torn hamstring in the tail end of the season, which I don't know what Tottenham's going to do the rest of the way out. They are hanging on to Champions League hopes right now. Doesn't look great for that, but it, it, it always could happen. Obviously, you've had a ton of injuries on this team, so getting him back would be of any help. He said, in my head, I'm definitely at the Euros. So that is big news if you're an English soccer fan, a sure. soccer fan of the English national team. Uh, but he said, unless something pretty drastic happens between now and then, I'll be there. We're talking a few more weeks, and I'll be playing again. I don't want to make a prediction for which game I might be back, but I'm hoping somewhere between the start and the middle of April. Okay. So that's, so that's about six weeks' times. Yeah, good news for Kane and good news for Tottenham fans that you'll get to see your guy back. Here's some bad news, though. Jose Mourinho says no overhaul of Spurs in the summer. So I obviously think it's unfair to judge current Tottenham play given the amount of injuries they've dealt with, the, the, the big names they've dealt with losing. But do you feel like this Tottenham team is situated – to go if they miss Champions League this year to go make a run at the top four next year or at the Premier League clearly that doesn't seem to be in the cards with the current structure and with Jose at the helm I mean if it happens it's going to be the most boring championship season you've ever seen <laughs> I just don't I don't know they don't scream Champions League to me right now as currently constructed they need some help they do and I think that's the one thing that you have to look at ownership for because remember Potch when he was in charge there like they didn't add a player for yeah. like 18 months where right. they just they didn't do that. And maybe they got money coming in from their new stadium and new these all these new deals and everything. Now they were active this year. This this past summer they yeah. were active and I believe they brought in Dom Bele and all these different guys. Lo Celso they brought him in. Yes. And you know, it's just it's fascinating because Jose Mourinho to me that seems like an answer that was handed down from the parent company that says, "Hey, we're not spending any money this offseason, and hopefully you're on board with it. And as we all know, Jose Mourinho and kind of the insubordination that he is known for, how long is he going to be able to withstand that? 
And if they go on to lose two or three games in a row here at the the dying embers of the, the Premier League season, what is his response going to be then after that? I cannot see Jose Mourinho getting to a summer transfer window and saying we're not going to add any players. That's not the way that he rolls. That's not the way that he does business. He is always looking to add different players into his system, especially when he takes over a club less than a year ago to get guys who are going to fit into the way he plays. To me, it seems like ownership and management stepping in and saying, Jose, go with this line and say that we're not interested in getting anyone this summer. But the way that they're currently constructed, I think they're good enough to challenge for a Champions League spot. I thought at the beginning of the year they were going to be a title contender. Now, obviously, injuries go that way. I think they're a talented team. You know, you look at some of the additions, too, in the winter window that they had. Gelson, I think, has provided a nice little spark for them. Bergwin has been okay. And so it's just it's going to be fascinating with Tottenham, whether they stick with this. We're not going to add anyone in the summer or when they get to the summer and realize we need to add a lot of pieces. What's our spending spree going to be? Yeah. It'll it'll be very interesting to watch with Tottenham. And speaking of spending, did you happen to see who Tottenham just sold off to no. Montreal Impact? I always forget how to say his name, though I know he has been in the Premier League for years. Is it Victor Wanyama? Is that how you say his name? He's oh. been, uh, you know, he's been with Tottenham for years. Midfielder, ninety-seven appearances for them over the last few years. Before that, Wanyama, Victor Wanyama. Yeah, Wanyama. There you go. Thank you. I always put the emphasis on the wrong syllable. I apologize, but uh, <laughs> he didn't have a lot to do this year with Tottenham. Clearly, he only had three appearances, four appearances, I think, for them. But he's going to be a DP for Montreal, and he will be joining Safir Tider, who's a decent player for Montreal, and. Boyan, who we talked about sure. in our MLS Cup preview, who, of course, you may remember from his many different stops in the Premier League, but also around Europe, former, you know, next Messi. So but Montreal is just with Thierry Henry managing them. He suddenly this is like the, hey, remember all these guys that used to play in other leagues? Well, they're here now. They're not as good as they used to be. But right, but they're here. You can see them all if you want to go watch that. So I bring that up because I saw that story and I saw that Daniel Sturridge is getting linked with MLS. I did see this. Now, Daniel Sturridge is getting linked with MLS because he's not going to be allowed to play soccer until June because he's got a worldwide ban. And I would like to say, I'm going to go on record here and say, very hot take, if you get a worldwide ban at anything, you've you've really effed it up. You've That's, really goofed. You've really stepped in it. You've if you're goofed getting, bad. A worldwide ban at anything is not good. Uh, but he's getting that because he had a gambling breach, and so he has been banned from world football until mid Junes, uh, mid Junes, mid Junes, mid Junes <laughs> at the WalMarts and the Braxton's Myers. Braxton's Millers. Yeah, Daniel Surge also fined two hundred thousand dollars for providing his brother with inside info regarding a possible summer transfer to Sevilla. Ooh. So uh, he was in Turkey playing for Trabzonspor. I know I've yeah. seen them. Trabzonspor. Tra- thank I don't you. Know. Good, good stuff. Say it with your chest. Yes. If you say it like you know how it's said, mm-hmm. it's never wrong. Uh, he scored seven goals, four assists, and 16 appearances before canceling his good. contract due to the suspension. Yeah. So this is a guy who's still got something, but that's a player who everyone is linked with MLS. He's 30 years old. Could he be going to enter Miami? That's one of the places where the, the everyone says, oh, this is where all the players from Europe are going to want to go play for David Beckham Atlanta. in Miami. Atlanta needs some help, too, don't they? Yes. Because they just had Joseph Martinez go down with a season-ending injury with the ACL tear. So that is uh, not good news for them. But keep an eye on that situation. And then I saw that uh, our guy, Zach Steffen, former crew player who has been on loan 
with Fortuna Dusseldorf. Yep, your guys. The German Bundesliga who he's... They're bad. They're terrible. Their defense is terrible. But he has had knee tendonitis and has not been able to play the last couple months for them. He's only 24, but now the rumors are that Manchester City is planning on sending off Claudio Bravo. Okay. And that could possibly mean that when he leaves, he might actually be going to, they said NYCFC in MLS could be where his destination is. Obviously, Manchester City owns that club too, so that would be some familiarity that organizationally. Yeah, that would hurt. It would. Yeah. Well, that's where. No, no, no. That's where Claudio Bravo could go. Oh, I thought you were talking about Stefan. No. Okay. Bravo could go to NYCFC because they want to bring Zach Stefan back and have him be the full time backup at City. So I ask you, Beamer, for the U.S. Men's National Team hopes, because now that's all I care about with Zach Stefan. As much as I care about him as a person, I am more concerned with how he develops as a player going forward. Is that the best thing for him, or should he be playing every week? Because to me, I feel like having a half a season lost to injury and now not playing next year or playing 10 games out of the 30 or 40 you'd expect him to have, I don't know if that helps his development. What do you say? Yeah, that's a tough one because, you know, he's he's playing in the Bundesliga, right? Which is, you know, as we've, we've illustrated, I think it's one of the best leagues in the world. I think everybody who watches soccer thinks it's one of the top three leagues you know, on, on the planet. and But here's my thing on this bone. Zach Steffen and the goalkeeper is such a fickle position because we have seen epic rises and we have seen epic falls when it comes to that position because it's unlike any other position in sports. You talk about goalie in hockey, goalie in soccer. They're different. Kicker in football, it's, it's, it's a different position because the mentality has to be totally different. You're on an island. You're not really linked up to any other players. You're just doing your thing out there. And so... My thing is that maybe instead of Manchester City saying, hey, Zach, we're going to keep you at Fortuna and you know keep you in the Bundesliga, if your defense is really bad, that can shoot your confidence. And then all yeah. of a sudden you start second-guessing your, your ability to be able to stop these shots. And so maybe what they're trying to do, and this is all speculation, is that they're trying to preemptive strike a mental weakness in his game and say, you know what, we're going to get you back here at Manchester City because we know that our guys are pretty good at this. And so even though you're going to probably play less games if you do come back here, having that defense in front of you is going to get you mentally stronger for the future. So maybe maybe it's part of that. That's an interesting point. And you know what they could always do too? I'm not saying this would be ideal either, but – Playing for Fortuna Dusseldorf's defense or playing for a championship side's defense sure. second half of next year. Maybe they bring him in for the first half. They get him into some early Champions League rounds, like some stuff where, yeah. you know, he can play, he can get his time. They definitely know nothing's going to be at risk. And then. Well, they're not going to be in Champions oh, League next year. God, I, that's right. I have to wrap my stupid brain around that. If they if the ban holds, you're right. They right. wouldn't have that opportunity. <laughs> All right. Well, whatever. Uh, other things they can throw Play him in the care about. Yeah. Whatever. So, but get him some confidence going forward, and then you know throw a midweek game here or there. Then try to load him out in the winter transfer window for the second half of the year. Maybe that's maybe that's the mixture of the two theories, right? Where second half of the year he gets more playing time, just not for Manchester City. So, keep an eye on that situation. It's fascinating too. though. We watching it. And also, we've been keeping an eye, as I'm sure everyone has been, on the coronavirus. Yeah. That's been the talk of everywhere lately. I'll give you the effect on soccer that it has had for a couple stories real quick. In Spain, games against Italian teams are going to be played without fans. Uh, the Spanish authorities said Tuesday that major soccer games involving Italian teams will be played in empty stadiums because of the coronavirus. 
which means Valencia and Atalanta. Yeah. That's that now that looks like it's going to be a tough one. I don't know how many Valencia fans want to go watch their team lose. Sure. At uh, is that the, is that Wanda? Is that where they play or is that a, am I just That's Atletico that, who plays at Wanda, always the Wanda giving, Metropolitana. Yes, I give every team in Spain apparently the name of that stadium. Mm-hmm. I apologize. Anyway, Barcelona, Wanda Metropolitana. <laughs> That's their That's new right. stadium. Bernabeu, exactly. Bernabeu mm-hmm. not real. Uh, that is M- Mestalla Stadium is where yeah. Valencia plays. How dare I the not Mestalla. know? Mestalla. Yes, thank you. Uh, they are So they are playing that game against Atalanta uh, on March 10th. It will be empty, but so will the Europe the Europa League game uh, between Inter Milan and, say it again, Getafe? Getafe. Getafe. Yes. Thank you. See, Beamer's my translator for <laughs> all things soccer. All things MLS last week, all bone. Hey, European, I got you. That's good. And uh, also, coronavirus concerns postponed the cup semifinal in Italy between Juventus and AC Milan. Little aside there, I was watching this because they had that on ESPN+. And thankfully, right. our radio station, we have a subscription to that. So yes. like, I've been watching a ton of soccer lately on that. Don't mm. tell the bosses if, uh, they're, not, if well, they're listening to this podcast. They're not. Don't okay. worry. <laughs> right, <laughs> which is, which is fantastic. <laughs> And so I was watching this. It was an all-time color combo uniform game the other day oh, well, between AC yes. Milan and Juventus. I mean, it was it was picture it was picture perfect. Yeah, just picture perfect. Yeah, I'm excited about uh, whenever they get to play this, but they will not be playing it. Unfortunately, as we're recording this podcast on Wednesday, it would be going on today, but it will not. They are going to announce a second or a new time for that at some point in the future, but. They have to figure out how to deal with the rest of that cup. Finally, let's turn our attention to the schedule for this weekend for the Premier League. Yeah, baby. Because there's some good games here. So, it didn't look like it'd be the most amazing game at first, but now Burnmouth is fighting for their lives to stay above the relegation line. They are currently under it, but they are one of three teams with 27 points, and they are on the road at Anfield for Liverpool, who looks infinitely gettable by a hungry team, right? A smart, hungry team that knows what they're doing. Yeah. Or but you think this is Liverpool I, waking up the giant? They come out and smoke Burnmouth. How do you read this game? I don't know, man. I mean, you have to look at Watford, like bad team. Last weekend, I know they were on the road in that one. They're coming back home. I, I can't see a way that Liverpool drops another game, especially not, not at drop, home. Not dropping not dropping a loss, but if it's a you know one one two two type of game. I don't. I can't see it. I can't, can't see, see it? them right. dropping any okay. points in this All game. Right. Well, let's see. But but you admit though that is much more intriguing. It than is it was. now. It is. Hell we yeah. thought this could have been just one of their many steamroller games on the way to coronation. Right now, it's a little more intriguing. Um, Arsenal West Ham is a ten o'clock game. A lot of good ten o'clock games. Yeah, here. West Ham's got some problems right now. <laughs> yeah, the, they've the, got they've got some problems. They do, man. They very much do, and they are one of those three teams. West Ham, Watford, and Burnmouth are the three teams with 27 points, so you, you'd anticipate one of those three will join Aston Villa and Norwich City and going down, but still time for Villa at least to change their fortunes. Still plenty of games. I don't know about Norwich City, though. They're putting up a little bit better fight than earlier in the season we thought they would. Uh, Southampton taking on Newcastle United, Crystal Palace, Watford, Sheffield United. Man, we were talking a few minutes or a few weeks ago about yeah. possible Champions League for them. They are 40 points, same as Tottenham right now. Uh, the line to get into Champions League is Chelsea at 45, so not unattainable. 42 with United because City is going to be banned. 
Oh, yeah, right. <laughs> Much more attainable. <laughs> Never mind. Look at you keeping throwing out that Manchester just, City ban. I'm just letting the people know. It's technically that right now. Technically, technically you're right right now. They are cheaters, and they're going to be banned <laughs> next year. That's all I'm – I'm just saying right, facts, You're, you're right. They <laughs> That's all I'm doing. I love it. I love you tweaking the City fans, as you should. But uh, I don't know about the cooks, the chefs. I don't know what they're going to do, man. Chefs United may not get it done, but I think this week they will get three points because they are at home against Norwich City. Yes. Who are also, like we said, fighting for their lives. Wolves are the final 10 o'clock game. They take on Brighton, Hove, Albion. So there you go. A team fighting for Champions League spot and a team fighting relegation. Yes. Two desperate teams playing each other should be fun. The noon 30 game on Saturday is Burnley and Tottenham. Then on Sunday, Chelsea, Everton, and Great. the Manchester Derby. Love it. What do Absolutely you see? Absolutely love that. Tell me what's happening in the Derby this year. It's uh, at home, Old Trafford. It is at United, Old Trafford. United going to knock three points off of Old City there I and will take the citizens to task? I will say that Manchester United wins this game 3-1. I will say that. Woo! I'm, yeah. I am confident in All my right. guys. Bruno has injected life back into me. They go, they win, Manchester is red yet again. Look at you. Just feeling your oats right now. I'm huh? feeling pretty good. Feeling all the oats. I'm and, feeling you know, pretty good about it. You know it. who's going to be really happy for you if that happens? Who? Bunch of Liverpool fans yes, are going to be will. worshiping at the feet of Manchester United. Mm -hmm. Yet at again. At least for one day. <laughs> yet again. <laughs> Thanking them for helping them along their way of trying to get City officially eliminated. Three points going the wrong way for City would definitely help everyone's case. So, yeah, Liverpool, their dream scenario is smacking Burnmouth, finding their scoring touch right before Champions League, yep. and then watching City go down and defeat the next night. Uh, that is it for us. We will talk next week. Probably I will try to do some kind of MLS-level podcast next week, maybe kind of assessing the first couple weeks, and we will get into a Champions League recap as well next week. So, Stay tuned for that. Anything you want to add, Beamer? No. Like a saying? Like uh, stay spicy? Just, or uh, keep on keep on doing that soccer thing. <laughs> That's what right. I say. That's it for us. We'll see you next week. You've been listening to Bone and Beam United. 